0: Suicide is one of the biggest killers in men under the age of 45, and this can be caused by many things like issues around mental health, societal expectations of masculinity, and childhood experiences like grief or abuse. And I wanted to explore what modern masculinity looks like. So I'm joined by Jack Norman, who has worked in change management for five years. In 2015, he co-founded a social enterprise called Milk for Tea which campaigns for better men's health by nurturing community and creating programs around the subject of masculinity. Jack's work with a multitude of organizations such as Rolls-Royce, Bacardi, WeWork to develop new frameworks for men to cultivate better mental health
1: who knows how to be a human in this world like who knows what it is that you're meant to do and not to do to be successful you know there's a lot of pressure about becoming entrepreneurs and not having a normal job anymore and not following what your parents did and so there's a lot of factors that play into it so actually how do you go the same thing as the you know the the younger guys like and girls how do you go back to creating these spaces where you allow that person to make those decisions for themselves
0: as ever if you've enjoyed this episode or if you think others might find it useful it'd be great if you could subscribe to or rate this podcast it really does help. Now to our chat. So Jack thanks for joining me today. It's really Thank you exciting. for having me.
1: Yes. On my comfy sofa.
0: <laughs> I know with our cup of tea. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so this is what podcasts yeah. should be about. <laughs> exactly <it? laughs> exactly.
0: Um, and I, I wanted to talk to you because I met you when we did a talk together and I thought your energy was wonderful. I love the way that you talked. Um, I think it's really interesting what you and your partner, Daniel, are doing, your business partner, Daniel, yeah. with Milk for Tea. And, and actually it was something I was talking to my husband about last night. He said, I'm really interested in this guy that you're meeting today because he said, I'm really interested in this whole thing about male identity mm. because he said, I don't think I've really come into my own identity until my 40s, Yeah. which... I found really, he's never told me that. Interesting.
1: <laughs> Breaking down some good barriers already. <laughs> Love it.
0: So, yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. But, I know, I know a big, I mean, I think a big part of why you're doing this is that, is that, you know, mental health is, uh, on. you know, it's about cultivating good mental mm. health in men, but also the suicide rates are crazy. And I wanted to just ask you about that. Um, yep. What are the statistics of male suicide? And, you know, in the UK, US and mm-hmm. and worldwide for, for men?
1: Yeah, so um, is the uh, number one killer of men under 45 in the UK? Statistics are actually quite... Um, well, I think it, they're surprising for a lot of people um, because, you know... It's actually been the number one killer of men for over 15 years. Wow. Uh, Yeah, maybe even longer, actually. But um, statistics were only starting, started to properly and accurately be recorded uh, in uh, the early 2000s. So it's probably been a lot longer than that. Um, Also, suicide is underreported, especially if the family kind of want a little bit more privacy, et cetera, et cetera. So um, there's, uh, unfortunately... Is Is
0: that the shame, do you think? I don't know.
1: I I think it depends on a variety of reasons. It might be. I remember um, when I grew up, um, I remember buying my first ever car from this garage that was just down the road from us. And, um, you know, the owner, he was like an amazing guy, like great personality and stuff. And um, one day, like we found out in the news that his car had set on fire. Um, and, we're like, and my dad was like, well, that's a bit odd because he's like a great guy and stuff. And then we actually knew his family and she, the, his wife was just like, look, we're, you know, he did he did commit suicide, but we don't want it to be him to be perceived like that. And that he had loads of problems. So it was just, you know, uh, an unfortunate mishap was kind of how it was mm. angled. So I guess there is still there is I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing. There is still a stigma around it. Um, there was over 5000 male suicides last year. Um, in the UK or in the in the, just in the UK so that figures actually spiked slightly a um, couple of reasons well that I well one definite reason is the ac- uh, accuracy of data has got better um, the other reason that Dan and I discussed quite a lot is actually the there's a lot of people talking about suicide now so it's a lot more accessible which you know if people have more knowledge about what's what you can do to commit suicide and people committing suicide and more um Exposure to other people committing suicide that will again cause a knock-on effect to arise in in figures. um In the US, it's over two thousand two hundred, uh, no, twenty thousand suicides a Whoa. year. Yeah, big.
0: Male or that male? Ju- just just the males. Yeah.
1: <gasps> yeah, um, and then worldwide. To be honest with you, like we do work with in different sectors, but I don't. I think the Western world is a lot more affected by it. But then again, I've just seen on the news, like these K-pop stars in Korea are committing suicide. Yes. Like really, yeah. Um, I, there's actually a guy that I know who's Korean and he puts on his Instagram quite a lot about uh, this kind of stuff. So I said to him like, what, what's going on? And he's just like, so much pressure, like societal pressure. In um, Korea? In Korea, yeah. Um. Just about like these, I mean, I mean, I suppose if you look at a lot of high profile celebrities that have come from nothing, that rise to fame in a very short period of time, like it's a, it's a completely different world. It's a completely different life that you're living. Um, so I definitely think that there's some there's just some people that can't handle it. Um, there's some people, unfortunately, that uh, it's built within their chromosomes. You either have the bottle or whatever to commit suicide. Some don't. Mm. Um, so I think there's a lot of factors that come into it. Um, it's, it was really unfortunate for Dan and I to see that the statistics had risen because there's a lot of people doing amazing work out there, uh, around raising awareness and, um, you know, c- putting this conversation at the forefront, you know, um, the ITV and calm did project 84 last year with 84 men. Cause that's how many men commit suicide weekly in the UK, um, with statues of them on above the ITV building, you know, um, Prince William and Harry are doing great work with heads together. Um, and I, I, I mentioned it on a couple of other podcasts. It's, it's amazing to see people doing like this work to raise awareness, but there needs to be some, uh, like fall fallout of the back of it. Like, if you're raising awareness about something, there needs to be some work done. Um, it's all right talking about it. It's all right creating podcasts and all these media sources in the world that we're living in, you know, um having this, it was the first ever International Men's Day because women have International Women's mm. Day. But it's like, what are we doing off the back of that? And it's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I think that's where we've kind of found our groove is that actually like, amazing that a lot of people are doing the awareness piece and you know i think there's still more work to be done in in that um part of the sector so we're gonna help as much as we can but actually why not stand alongside men and stand alongside all self-identifying genders and do the work with them and actually be the culture shifters Mm. like that's what we want to be um because there is still a stigma. There's still, you know, we, we go into quite a lot of businesses around, not just in the UK, around the world. And there's still this thing about, can't really say that. Or, oh, is this just for men? And it's just like, you know, you need to, you, let's, it's 2020 in what, f- three weeks? Mm. Like get into the real world and actually realise that there's some real issues going on with people. Um, so for us, it's about firstly... Allowing or creating spaces to allow people to heal of all genders. So, but again, men carry the majority of power in nearly every culture and every industry. So they're the main perpetrator in a lot of things that happen. So that's why we focus on men. Um, and obviously the shocking statistics around suicide, but then it's like, okay, so after we've helped everyone to heal, um, because everyone's hurting. How do you do that? um, I mean, there's a variety of ways. I think, again, um, with the meteoric rise of mental health, what we found is that uh, doctors and psychiatrists and etc. are going, you've got depression, this is your problem, this is why, and this is what I'm going to give to you. Okay, you're, you've got stress, take two weeks off work. That might not work for someone else. Um, so we really tried to take an individualistic approach. Uh, everything that we do is built on coaching foundations. So, um, always a series of powerful and thought provoking questions, which allows, you know, people just to kind of actually internally think about what's going on with them and create their own internal solution and answers. Um, I think creating space and community is completely, uh, huge to what we do. I remember we were in Jordan, uh, in June, like the country Jordan. And, um, it was the first ever time that they'd had a men's circle there. The first ever time. Mm. Um, and actually it's like, okay, so we brought together as a men's circle. Like the first question that we ask is, can everyone tell us why they're here? They want community. They want to have a, sp- a safe space to share the things that they're going through. They want to have like men that they feel comfortable around and it not be perceived as, you know, Gay or you know that whatever they you know whatever culture tells them to so I think that really broke down a lot of barriers for them society in society and in culture but it's how do you keep that consistent and how do you make sure that people are healing from that by being the true the truest self that they can be Mm. within that space then what we want to do after we help them to heal or kind of mend some of the the hurt that they're they're feeling is really help them to grow so how do you allow someone after you've gone through all the things that you've gone through to then thrive mm. and you know be the best person that you can so with our workshops we have a workshop series based around masculinity called modern masculinity but then the other two strands that we have are personal development and professional development so again it's it can transcend into any industry it can be relatable to any person but it's progressing that conversation forward in a controlled environment but a very very safe space
0: what does modern masculinity look like
1: good question Isn't uh, it? yeah no yeah it is <laughs> God, you should do this for a living um it is a good question i think um changes every day if i'm honest um i, sp- I think for me you know it's It's really interesting when we we obviously we've been working in this uh, well it's not obvious, but we have been working in this uh, industry for about three years now. And when we first started, there was no one else really doing what we're doing. Mm. So a lot of what we have done and what we've experienced has actually been based on research. And so um, one of the things that really makes um, us tick is that there was a research research project done by the uh, Telegraph. It interviewed fifty men and fifty women, so it asked I asked the men as a man, what do you think a woman what are the characteristics that a woman looks for in a man and it asked the woman with well, the women um, what characteristics do you look for in a man so similar question mm. so women <laughs> the answers are just like crazy like in contrast, so men thought it was financial stability um, Power and then I think emotional stability was like fourth or fifth on the list.
0: Mm, gosh.
1: For women, emotional stability was top, uh, vulnerability, uh, and then I think income or financial stability was a little bit lower down. Mm. So you can see where the mindset is at where we're in society. So I think modern masculinity or being a modern man means being the truest version of yourself, whether it's you need to cry, you need to laugh, showing your emotions. Um, stay true to yourself in any situation because I think we're especially in the world that we live in with where social media is so prevalent. It's like okay, so you can go out and be a lad mm. at the pub, and but then go and be sensitive to your like around your girlfriend but why can't you be sensitive in front of the lads at the pub and you know if there is something going on at home or you are having a bit of a tough time like why can't you talk to them rather than putting a front on it um so i definitely think like some characteristics like vulnerability sensitivity um living you know in the truest version of yourself really would contribute to us actually progressing forward what it means to be a man in the current Mm. day but again that will change in situations and it will continue to develop when you know um there is pressures from society cultural pressures economic pressures like there's i think there's loads of different triggers that Mm. can actually allow that to vary so i kind of went a little bit around the houses but i don't think there's actually one answer to that i think and i think again it's very individualistic to the person Mm. um but I definitely think there's some kind of parameters where we should be looking at what, what modern masculinity looks like because modern masculinity shouldn't look like wolf whistling, catcalling, sexual and, uh, and domestic yeah, abuse, no. which, which is what it used to look like. Maybe 70s, 80s, even early 2000s. like That was still kind of the norm. Mm. And that's why we're seeing such a backlash now when people get a little bit older and they go, actually... I experienced that like 20 years ago. That really wasn't right. But I never dealt with that because society didn't allow me to deal with that. So yeah, a little bit around the houses, but that's kind of my standpoint.
0: Yeah, and I, it's very much what you were just saying. It's about being your authentic self. Mm. And you know, my husband and I were talking about it in bed last night, actually, we were talking about our hus- uh, our child. Uh, we've got two girls and mm. a boy, and we were saying out of three of them, he's the most sensitive. And yeah like so sensitive and we were saying how does how does that change you know why does that change like what mm. happens to that child yeah that they're so sensitive and yet by the time they get to their 20s it's not the done thing to be that you know mm. and where does that go then it goes internally to them, yeah doesn't it? and
1: then it builds up like a pressure cooker yeah and then it explodes. explodes it's, it's interesting actually because um we like Sometimes or there's been times where we've been really challenged about um, children and like the role that we need to play um, as society to children. I I remember one like really clearly where it's like a guy was like, you know, these kids are going to be bullied at -hmm. school. So we can't change that. And actually we turned around and said, no, we can't. But if you're their parent or you're their auntie and uncle or whoever you are and you have a relationship with them, telling them to man up and not to cry Will then actually condo- condone that behaviour and continue it to, to go mm. and actually bottle it, bottle it up. So, how about next time they're like, you know, I'm being, I'm having a really tough time at school, or I feel like I need to cry. I go, okay, cry, please let it all out. Let's yeah. have a talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I think, and I think that's another. Yeah, uh, we we've, we've had some really n- nice feedback from some people that have wanted to help us, uh, and I some I, I asked them all the time because I'm like, why are people giving their time to us? And people have like said, I wanna I wanna help change the culture so my my children grow up not having to deal with some of the issues that are going mm. on now. Mm. And I think that's so important to recognise um, when you have a responsibility to um, a child or. Uh, you know, your nephew or whoever it is, that actually, you know, as individuals, we can contribute to that culture change. We can c- contribute to making this world a better place to live in and the day-to-day experiences of everyone. So actually, why not?
0: Mm. Yeah, it's like a big wound, isn't it? You know, that we, we're, we're trying to heal and it's those little steps, isn't it? And, yeah. and talking is, is is one of the biggest... I think is one of the biggest mm. things that we can do to uh, and sharing
1: mm. and
0: having a place to share that as well. Yeah
1: you you don't go to bed one night and then suddenly realize who you are the next day like mm. it's a real process that's why I'm so um you know I love what we do at Milk for Tea and I love how l- I love the work that we do and love how it can change a lot of people's lives but what a lot of people that are close to us have seen is how our lives have been transformed by it you know having um you know a guy who's your best pal um, that you can stand alongside, but you can also really challenge. Uh, you can also open up to, you can also, I can like, I remember clearly having a conversation with him when we we're in Jordan and he asked me what I needed from our friendship to make it better. Mm. And we both shared that. And uh, there's still stigma around that in society where a- actually asking another man for something can be condemned as whatever week. a weak or, you know, um, so failure failure, mm-hmm. and so i think we're really lucky to have that but then also we're lucky to hold each other accountable actually it's funny because then if you take that into your everyday life like i was at um the pub with one of my mates uh, a couple of months ago and this was like really like pertinent for me at the time so i was just like he was like core that bird over there is fit. And I was like, imagine if that was your daughter. Would you like someone to talk to you about that? And he was like, oh, leave it out, mate. Like, and I was just like, no, I'm not like, being in, like, trying to be a douchebag or anything. Yeah, I'm yeah. just, I'm trying to open your mind a little bit. And I'm not perfect. Like, I've probably spoken about women or whoever in a derogatory way at some point in my life. But I'm actually mm-hmm. trying to better that. So the experiences for women are better. So having that conversation with him, yeah, it was really uncomfortable for me because he was just like, oh, like... Oh, like all right, I'm going home now. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, so you're not ready for that, but yeah. actually having that accountability and going, like, I'm not okay with you saying that. Like, I'm, um, and uh, Dan, da- Dan's better at it than me. He'll remove himself from the situation. Like, I'm yeah. not comfortable with this conversation. No,
0: and, but and that's fine. And, 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 and I think that's fine. He might have been uncomfortable that guy, but he would have gone home and thought about it. Yeah. And next time, he might. Yeah think twice about well
1: he's made a couple of jokes about it as well like in the office or whatever so (laughs) it it must have hit it struck a chord some in some way
0: but yeah so it's about challenging people in everyday life to say that you can't you know that's not acceptable well
1: yeah it's about having that accountability Mm. like if um if we continue as a culture to allow people to catcall like when they're walking down the street and you know women and members of the lgbtq plus community to not have great experiences because of men then we're not doing anything about it we're not driving anything forward so mm-hmm. actually how do we have that accountability and that accountability starts with us and us us taking ownership when we hear something that isn't cool or we hear something that we don't necessarily agree with or actually think about it from the perspective of the person that is receiving that like is that okay to do that mm-hmm. um and this is i think this is why um our work's really important in like corporates because usually the big boss is a man um so they're very it, like then you either have two well you usually have two things the power is is with men and there's a fear culture so then if someone speaks out against that then they get shot down immediately mm-hmm. and it's like okay but and usually that's a woman that's like going against it and actually like if that was a man would you would you have cut them off or would you have um, shot down their idea or not listen to it? Probably not. Mm. And again, that's because men have had the power for many years and we're kind of stuck in this way of, okay, so everything that a man does is right. Everything that a woman does isn't right. Mm. So we're going to go with the man.
0: Yeah. We need to, que- you know, it's questioning those, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's interesting. The conversation around this can go like many different ways because mm. then there's also kind of that lower level stuff where it's like, actually, we just want to create stuff for men to do and come together. So like we just had a conversation with a guy and we're going to do PT sessions in Victoria Park. Mm. Like, and, but it's men coming together as a community. Then we might do a little workshop at the end. You know, I've always wanted to do a run club, a book club, you know, like a series of events that are just getting p- people yeah, together.
0: It's really, really <laughs> important because women are really good at doing that. They have yeah. like, you know, making macrame, you yeah. know, hanging and stuff like that. But is it's about the community. And I think, that's the thing, because one of the hospices that I visit in North London, they have this really cool thing which is called the shed,
1: mm, and
0: nice. yeah, and they have the the outpatients come in who have got life-limiting illnesses, mm. and they'll go make stuff in the shed together. Nice. It's a way to get them in to talk about what they're going through. Like yeah, the, yeah. The, the you know that processing the fact that they're dying. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've got no nowhere to go to talk about it, so they use those. The tools, the the, sh- the tools and the shed and yeah. projects to give them to encourage that sort of sense of community within the group and mm. um, you know it's, an am- it's amazing what you
1: can create in a space. Uh, the vulnerability that you can create in a space like, and I think yeah, just to having that having that presence. I remember being in the car at times throughout uh, Jordan, and I was just like, whoa, like where is this conversation coming from? Mm. You know, because we'd been fairly vulnerable about our experiences. And then people just kind of feel like, okay, but these guys are being vulnerable. I can be vulnerable and I can talk about it. And, you know, it was at the time when, um, it was Eid and there's a lot of pressure on, the men there to gift something to all of the women in their family Mm. and some, you know, some of their families are like 20, have 20 women in there. So even if you just give in 30 quid to them, that's 600 quid. And it's like, so there's a big pressure on them. And it is like, actually, again, that's a very um, cultural thing, but actually hearing the men go, I'm, you know, I feel really under pressure at the moment because I need to deliver this. Mm. Don't know where I'm getting the money from. Don't know how I'm going to do it, but, would they talk to uh, to someone about that that hadn't been vulnerable in front of them? Probably not. No. So it, well, breaking down those barriers, will then, that, like I said, allow people to heal because they're allowed to talk about it. And then it's like, okay, then you flip it and it's like, okay, so how can you grow from this? How can you get to feeling okay about this? How can you not think that this is an issue anymore? You know, and that's, that's kind of the model that we work on, I mm. guess.
0: Oh, it's fascinating. Um, so in terms of people every day, you know, obviously this is work you're doing to change the way mm. that, that we view men and the way that men feel about themselves and their own identities and how they can be uh, their authentic self. What What do you think are some of the signs that people can look out for in their children and sort of the early... Because there's quite a spike, isn't there, at the moment of that sort of... It's the, I think it's the younger... Is it mm. younger? Younger men?
1: I mean, I think there's... Uh, it's probably consistent all, throughout all, through of, all, the all of the age ages groups, yeah. to be honest. Again, like Whole coping mechanisms are, coping are, are mechanisms, a, big, yeah. a big thing. I mean, we, d- we actually probably don't realise in our younger years when you go through trauma, because you're so young, it's just kind of like that's trauma. I was reading a statistic that 70% of young people, so under the age of 16, will experience a, a death in the family before they're 16. Yeah. It's um high. and it's like how do we how do we deal with that trauma because you know uh, I remember when my grandma died uh, in 2009 I was 18 um and when she first died I couldn't believe it like I was literally like no it's not happened like cuz it was so quick mm-hmm. it was just like no um and it was 2 weeks later when she had a funeral and that was the first time that I cried about it and I was just like whoa, like this is but i was I was so lucky to have a really supportive family that allowed me to grieve that allowed uh, to allowed me to understand that um actually there was emotional trauma there and helped me through that process even if it was just like talking to them or they' would check in you know like there wasn't any pressure to go back to school mm-hmm. there wasn't any pressure to play football um you know and my my dad was because it was my dad's mum was really great at sharing like hilarious memories that they had as a family so it was always brought in an, in a good light but mm-hmm. imagine if you don't have that experience and it is you know there's that trauma built up then actually what happens is later on in life they all come back to the surface I think <clears throat> in the early ages there is there's I think there's a lot of things that we can kind of do to safeguard but again safe spaces understanding like from that person's perspective what they're going through you know we under we like there's A lot of stuff that goes on in schools now. There's a lot more accessibility to drugs at a young age and alcohol at a young age. Instagram and social media plays a big part. Like it's not an easy world to live in. Like it really isn't an easy world to live in. Even as a 28 year old, it's not an easy world to live in because there's pressures that come from everywhere. So how do you create those safe spaces? Like we've I remember doing a uh, workshop in a school. And I didn't really know what to expect because obviously Mm. we're going to talk about milk for tea and it was probably in in more of our infancy. So it was last year. um, And we were just like talking about modern masculinity. One of the kids put their hand up, a little boy said, what are you grateful for? I was like, how do you even know what that means? At seven, I was concerned about like when it was break. Do you know what I mean? So I think they're they're a lot more advanced than we give them credit for. And actually like, so dealing with someone that is a lot more advanced. How do you create those spaces and allow them to be the truest version of themselves mm. to then actually overcome those things with, um, with like the middle ages. So, but maybe 16, like young adults, again, it's like, you know, there's pressures everywhere, you know, a lot, uh, a lot more boys are going into gang crime and like, again, pressure from social media. So, and again, who knows how to be a human in this world Mm. like who knows what it is that you're meant to do and not to do to be successful Uh, you know there's a lot of pressure about becoming entrepreneurs and not having a normal job anymore and not following what your parents did and so there's a lot of factors that play into it so actually how do you go the same thing as the you know the the younger guys like and girls how do you go back to creating these spaces where you allow that person to make those decisions
0: for themselves more from jack in a minute the charity we are highlighting in this episode is that of mind.org.uk who aim to provide confidential support advice and resources to anyone experiencing mental health problems for further information or just to donate please visit www.mind.org.uk now back to jack
1: i I remember always my my, again talked about my dad he was great because I was always going to become a f- professional footballer. Like, from a very early age, that was what I'd set my heart on. Played for academies, you know, been really successful. And there was this um, this moment where we both sat down and we were just like, it's not going to happen, is it? And he was like, look, I really, I really don't want to break this to you, but it probably isn't. So we need to have a backup plan anyway. We'll we'll continue with that. And he said, what do you want to do? Like, what is it that you want to do if it isn't football? And he created that space for me to then allow me to create a solution for myself, Mm. which was to take a business accelerator at college, get into a law school, or law university then go to law school and he supported me throughout that then i came out of law school and i was just like mate i really don't want to do law
0: <laughs> like and, he's, um, like, Damn. and he's, <laughs> he's just paid 15 grand for my you know for,
1: for my lpc and again we had a similar conversation to what we had you know eight years prior or five years prior okay so what do you want to do and i was like look i'm working part-time at this um retailer like i really enjoy it really love tailoring he was like okay go and do that then Mm. and he's allowed me to come up with my solutions again like nowadays um there is a huge pressure from parents to go you need to earn 70 plus grand a year in your first two years out of uni you need to own your house and actually if you look at our like my i would say my generation how many people unless they've stayed at home and work like works their backside off to save up and not had the high living costs of living in London or whatever mm. how many people actually have uh, house owners and earn a you know a, a substantial amount over you know the national living wage yeah. or whatever so i think there's yeah it's there's a lot of pressures mm. and then you have like the 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 back end of the scale where all these, you know, forty to forty-five is the most densely populated um, suicide rate. In yes, men. that's
0: what I wanted to talk to you about. Why is that? Because I, I was talking again with my husband because yeah. obviously he's really interested in this uh, subject. Well, because obviously he's a man, but he's he was saying, you know, I think you need to, to to talk to Jack about pressure. You know, about the roles that they have and the financial pressure and the mm. career pressure and the breadwinning pressure and. He said, it's a big deal. You know, mm. it's a big deal in your 40s, but also not being in a job that you might want to be in and or, or, or having mm. a divorce and finding yourself single. That's a that's a big factor as well. Yeah. Um, but also then you've got the other side of it, which, which is the stuff that you've brought from your early early life that you haven't mm. processed and dealt with. That's now affecting you in your 40s. It sort of comes back to haunt mm. a lot of people, doesn't it?
1: So so can I ask you a question? Yeah. So where do you think those pressures come from?
0: Um, Well, for my husband, I definitely think it comes from him. Mm. Because although interestingly, I've given up work to do this this project, Mm. which is to get people to talk about death. So that's put a financial pressure on us. And I think... Since then, he's been under a lot of pressure to look after the family, Mm. and I think society has told him that he needs to look after the children. He needs to be the breadwinner, and I'm I'm saying no. This is an equal partnership. I'm not doing this as a hobby. Mm. Obviously, I'm doing it because it's important, but I need to make some money out of it. There's a society pressure. Mm. He's Australian. He's come over from Australia. You know, it's a big deal for him, you know, to make a new life to, yeah, yeah. Exce- you know, there's a whole thing about Aussies coming over to to the UK to accelerate their careers. And mm. you know, he came over as a financial um, in the financial world. So there was a huge pressure in that. And um, I've always sat down and said, what, why are you doing this job? You know, what mm. what are you getting out of it? We talk a lot about it. But I I think a lot of it comes from himself actually mm. as well but also his opinions of what he thinks society yeah. uh, expects of him.
1: Uh, I, good answer. I think it's, do you know what I think is really interesting is that actually probably 80 to 90% of the people that we talk to in like above, I would say probably above 35 when you're meant to have everything together and whatever are really unhappy in their jobs. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to earn a certain amount and, whatever and actually we're really unhappy doing that so so i think yeah i think there's definitely a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves because of what we've been conditioned to think so you need to earn a certain amount you need to own a house you need to have a job that you're stable in yeah you know um i remember the first when i first quit my job um last year to um work on milk for tea because we needed a good six months where it was just like full force we'd just launched Mum was like, "What are you doing? You're crazy." <laughs> I was like, "Why?" She was like, "Cause you not got stable income." And I was like, "I'm sure I'll be fine. Uh, you know, even if I had two pound in my bank account, I'm sure I'll be fine. Like, I'll make make it work." Um, and actually, like, I look back at that time, like, and it was last summer, so I was really lucky. I had the best summer, and it wasn't just because I was working. Like, because there was long days. Yeah. There was also days where I went and sat in London Fields, um, <clears throat> you know. And I think what we don't have now, which actually attributes a lot of um a lot to poor mental health is work-life balance mm. like the things that i enjoy doing in my life i, I read a, a book uh, recently called um creative confidence um i can send you the link so you can yes, put it in please. the um, and and it was a really good book actually it was bought um bought for me and i thought it would be a book about like how to be more creative because i think being creative is kind of um thrown around very loosely so um, i spoke at a creative meetup and someone came over to me so how are you creative and it's like i put a skateboard on my wall last night i'm creative (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah (coughs) um like shells yeah yeah, exactly i can create a recipe from scratch i'm creative like i think we're creative and what this um book there's a couple of lessons from it what this book taught us is actually if you create an environment anyone can be creative Mm -hmm. so there's they do these tests um because they're a consultancy as well they do these tests where actually they go into like financial companies or whatever and um they set them task and like the big directors who have been in finance for like 40 years ago i can't do that you know i'm i'm a a numbers guy and actually what you find is they're really creative (laughs) like really creative um and the second one was about um you know actually um being happy what they kind of gave as a tip is rating your day from one to ten so if you rate your day one to ten um Okay, so it's a four today. We don't focus on all the negative stuff that happened. Actually, in your day, what attributed to that being a four? So I know that I don't do it every day, um, which is a habit I'm trying to get into. But I know that if I cook for an hour a day, I know that I'm going to be at least above five. Mm. Even if I've had the worst day and I got up at six and I you know, had to, had worked until eight and then came home and cooked. And then I knew that I had to be up for the next day. So there's already pressures. I hadn't slept very well the night before. I know that cooking will give me a five, a solid five, because mm. that's something that I love to do. Mm. So then it's like, okay, so being happy and having a work-life balance means finding those things that do, even if you have the worst day at work, finding those things to do to make you feel better. Yeah. Um, and I think that like, I've been cooking for at least, at le- and I say at least, cause sometimes it is like three hours a day for at least an hour a day since June. And I would say my wellbeing has skyrocketed mm. and it wasn't in a bad place before. Um, because, I, and that's something that works for me. Other Why? people, um, because I, I've tried loads of things. I've tried meditating for mm. years. Um, I actually prefer meditating with someone else, which is really mm. weird. Um, cause I can never like focus, but I think when someone else is holding that space for me, um, Cooking is, has been I- influential throughout my life. Like one of my first ever proper jobs was as a chef. Um, and my mum, I was speaking to my mum about it the other day, and she was like, "You should have always become a chef." It's <laughs> like, all right, mum, <laughs> calm down. Um, no, but it's it's it allows me um, that time for myself. Uh, allows me to completely switch off because I'm really focused on what I'm doing mm. there and then. Allows me to be a lot more present. Um, and I just enjoy cooking, like finding something that. Uh, but before, like and cooking isn't just throwing a pizza in the oven cooking is making the dough um, making the sauce you know and constructing the whole pizza so mm. I think there's a little bit of a difference because people will be like yeah but I cook for 20 minutes it's like yeah but you put a, a pizza in the oven so it's actually <laughs> like that whole, whole process I think again it like allows me to be really creative sometimes I'll throw something in and it's like oh that really didn't work but at mm. least we know yeah and at least we tried so and um Cause um, I was speaking uh, on maybe I was on a podcast or one of, to one of my friends. and They were like, "You should really try and like monetize your cooking." And I was like, "Why? I don't mm, need to. No. Uh, like I don't want that pressure. There's already added pressure when I cook for someone because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Are they going to like this?" Or you yeah. know. But actually, like I do it for me. I don't yeah. do it, and obviously the person that I'm cooking for. But I do it because I really enjoy it. Mm. So actually, trying to monetize it or creating additional pressure will then lose the impact of how well it serves me yeah um i've and again i've recently tried to get into running so even if i get out for 15 minutes like i had a run this morning mm. and i feel right as rain i don't need to have four coffees i don't need to you know, do you know what i mean I, I know that i'm set up for the day and i know that i'll be energized throughout the day even though i only got out for 15 20 minutes oh
0: it's so interesting i mean i do a lot of uh research about grief and one of the things that you can do for grief is that you can go and do exercise mm. Because A, it's getting you out of the house. So you're, mm. you're coming out of whatever experience you're having on your own, upset, you know, grieving. Mm. But obviously there's a the physiological thing that happens with your body when you do exercise. But also it's just, it's very healing. It's yeah. really, it's so good to get out. And it's quite meditative. My friend, 100%. her um, brother died and she's never run in her life. And she did the couch to 5K nice. thing. Um you Might get me doing it one day, but anyway, she's it's changed her life, yeah. Of course, it's it has. completely changed her life, mm. and I think it's really helped her process what's happened, yeah. You know,
1: how many times do you hear, or just in society, we say, uh, I did something and it helped me clear my head, and it's like uh, those things do that for me, yeah. Even going for a long walk, yeah, I still have a lot of thinking time, but it's thinking about the right things, and I'll come back energized, and mm. I'll have I take my little notebook around and I'll write down stuff, and like that's that's kind of. I'm finding the things for me. And I think going back to the point of, you know, um, like that kind of like middle age, it's actually like, they don't find the time for that because they're working all the time and just trying to put food on the table and trying to, you know, buy the next sofa. And I think, again, that's transitioned from generation to generation Mm. because like my grandparents' age, they were happy to have a roof over the head and a meal on the table. Like that's what they were living for. Not to, I remember my... (laughs) her granddad tells me this story every time but he's like i remember when we fought, bought our first um three-piece sofa from selfridges <laughs> and we saved up for a year you know and all that stuff that's what they were doing yeah. not oh i'm gonna go out and buy it and because and i can't afford it because i need to look good on instagram mm. so the world's changing is and it's it, you know we kind of have to adapt to that to a certain mm. sense but again like in in those situations are we being truest to ourselves are we you know uh, uh, do you do i know I'm, I'm suppose i suppose a lot of people will say no but some people are really committed to their job so do you want to work 60 hours a week and not see your family and not mm. or would you prefer to work 37 hours a week have that time to see your family and have that time to you know put the kids to bed and cook a nice dinner and feel good yeah like for for an extra 10 15 grand
0: well that's it isn't it i mean i this is this is totally crazy, but I was watching The Irishman on Netflix, yeah. and I was trying to work out the, at the end of it because I found it quite slow. Mm, well, it's the like three and a half hours, oh isn't it? God, we watched it over three days. Did you? <laughs>
1: yeah. I think that's. I've not seen it, but that's what people have told oh. me. People have told me to do that. They're like, okay, what? Don't watch it all in one because it's like half a day. It's
0: like, oh, yeah. My husband was really into it, and I think this is. It's interesting. You'll find it quite interesting, but at the end of it, I won't spoil it for you but obviously Robert De Niro is this gangster. He's part of the mob, kills loads of people, but he doesn't spend time with his family because he's living this really dangerous life. And then at the end, but but hopefully it won't spoil it for you. He's alive.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Big spoiler alert. Turn off now. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um,
0: But it's about him thinking about his life. And I think he comes to this conclusion. uh, What was that all about? Mm. What was my life all about? Mm. If, I did all these things and I thought that was my community but actually my family I yeah. just neglected my family and I felt really sad mm. and I was thinking is that what Martin Scorsese was trying to tell us that obviously he was trying to make a really cool film about yeah. mobsters but also at the end of it it was about what's important it's love yeah. and it's you know it. it most of his Mobster friends had been killed. So, got, what yeah, had he yeah. had left? You know, just his family, which he'd neglected. So, mm. it really it's made the same me with think job, about jobs that. come and go and yeah. money
1: comes and go and whatever, but actually, your fam- family at the core of what you do, your yeah. identity is at the core of what you do. I, I think, again, it's like, you know, when you're, I mean, Reflecting on this year, it's gone so fast, and yeah, like you haven't even had—I haven't even had time to really think. It's just like do, 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 Mm. and we've been like we've had some real great successes, and I'm not taking those away. But it's like you go 100 miles an hour, so when you do get that short time to reflect, actually, that's your time to go. What is important to me? What am I going to take forward? Like there was a time last year when. Friends, some of my friends were just dropping off like flies, like just and that was actually like, a, leaving
0: you or dying, well, uh, no,
1: no, not, not dying, dying, not dying, not wow, dropping, going not dropping that hard. Um, <laughs> but it uh, like, and I think for me, there was a time when I was like, is there something wrong with me? But actually, like, I was just transitioning through a different period in my life mm. where actually, like, the purpose that they brought to my life wasn't so relevant at that time. So, I think you know that time for reflection is also hugely important because then it allows you to recalibrate and go, okay, so where am I putting my focuses? Where am I spending my time? But again, like, because we, we're conditioned to work, 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 earn, mm. earn, earn. When do you have that time?
0: Yeah. And, and also, you know, my husband and I, we go on holiday. You have those two weeks, you go away in the summer. And, and he's like, this is, this is all wrong. Why is it we're having this lovely holiday and it's like this two week mm. thing? And why can't we integrate some more of this life into our normal life so that's what we try and do because it's ridiculous that we all work we go on these amazing holidays to have that time where we can reflect Mm -hmm. but you have to bring some of that back with you and think how can then i you know use what i've learned on that holiday that i've enjoyed so much because i'm not stressed out i'm not worrying about work i'm spending time with my family and i'm relaxing and it's it's not enough it's no not, it's not well you got to
1: find those meditative things like that's why i find cooking great because I, mm. I subconsciously i'm like reflecting on the day yeah. or you know Processing. um getting out of london really helps me as well even if it's just going and visiting dan in bristol or my dad in southampton or if i went to sweden at the weekend then it's just it, it's nice to kind of be a, away from your space and mm. have a different headspace to think in rather than just completely your own all the time so yeah it's, I think it's interesting how we navigate through but you know time time's of the essence at, at, you know so you've got, <sighs> I, I know that we need to maximise uh, the opportunities that we have and our fullest potential but there's also uh, you need time for yourself
0: yeah
1: which a lot of people don't have yes and that's you know um, and I think like if we go back to the you know f- between 40 men between 40 and 45 is the most densely populated. I think there's that like some of that comes to that, but also some of the experiences like we we're talking about with, you know, really? that they had when they were ch- yeah. children or even that they, ha- they, the pressures that they feel nowadays, like, okay, if you're a 40 year old man, then you need to have everything together. You need to own multiple houses, a holiday home.
0: You need to own a yacht. Like mm. that's, and but that's like what society is telling us. Mm. Um, it's a sort of consumerism society, isn't it? Saying, yeah. you, you know, if you have this, Then you've made it. You're Mm. successful. Mm. And you just think, no, well, if you're going to have a heart attack when you're 50, what's the point?
1: But what what right does society that you don't even know, like personally, what right does that have to tell you who you should be? Mm. Like, why can't you? like? And this is, again, the pressure that we face as humans, not just as men. Why can't we decide what we want to be? Why can't we? Because and and the uh, the point I was trying to make earlier about working so much is you're not happy. Actually, you're happy when you do the things that you want to do. Again, they might not make you money Mm -hmm. or, you know, they might not put food on the table. So you need to have a balance of both. But why can't we be a little bit more free to actually do the things that make us happy. Yeah. I think the Swedes have got it great. 30 hour working weeks. That's it. That's
0: amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 30
1: hour working weeks, you know. They come uh, up
0: with great cars, great products, you know.
1: Well, they're they're all, um, (laughs) you know, I have a lot of friends out there and they're all, you know, really entrepreneurial and Mm. are really creative. Mm. And I think that's because they've been allowed the space to do that. Um, And even when they had like full-time jobs and they're getting paid a decent wage, actually they have the time to, you know, that one day a week to go, okay, I'm going to go and work on this side project.
0: Yeah. It's and I'm, incredible. I'm fortunate
1: to have been allowed that with my workplace as well. So I do, um, three days a week now, That's um, great. which is great. So I do have the time and I don't feel that pressured, but then like yesterday I was in and I, I think I sat at my desk for five minutes and that was to eat my lunch. So you have like a contrast of days Yeah. Uh, you know, if I work, if I'm at home, I'm like, okay, chill. Yeah. I'll go make a coffee and I'm really productive mm. because I have this time, but but well, then when you're in that big corporate environment, environment you're like, oh, I need to go and see this person. Oh, I've got a meeting. Oh, you know, <laughs> and like, you're not oh. doing nothing
0: <laughs> other than yeah, meeting. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And then, but then you have work to do off the back of it. <laughs> it's like, who's cr- who, are the fairies doing this work? No, you so I, yeah, uh, Well, exactly. Um, so I know that there is a lot of factors that contribute to that. But again, it mm. goes back to this identity thing. Are we doing the, the things that are truest to our own identity? Because at one point in your life, it may be that you want to earn a ton of money so you can buy a house because that's what's important mm. to you. But then that might shift one day and go, actually, I don't want to earn loads of money now. Mm. I'm happy with, you know, just having enough money in my back pocket to make sure that I have food on my table. But actually, I'm going to go and travel the world or, yeah. you know, go for a walk every single day. Yeah. Do you know that? Again, having that time to reflect and go, what is it that I really want? Like what? And uh, this. So one of the most powerful questions that we ask uh, in our workshops is, "What do you want more of? How many? Who's ever? Has anyone ever asked you that?" Me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, my husband. We talk about it all the time. Nice. But I think we're. You know, we're both doing different things at the moment with our career. Mm. We're both in our forties. We've both decided he he's transferring from doing music for advertising to Mm. doing film music which is a big leap.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. So it's
0: like we're both starting careers yeah. in our 40s, which is really scary. Mm. Um So we ask, uh, yeah, we do, we, we do say, you know, he says, what do you want? And I say, well, I do want to earn some money, but obviously this is really important to me. I want to change the way in which we mm. think about death. Mm. That's what I want. Mm. And, I, and I say, what do you want? And he said, and I say, do you want to be like a really successful film composer? And he says, no, I want to be, able to earn enough money mm. so that I can work on the projects that I want to work on, enable us to lead an okay life where we, we're not scrimping and saving for stuff, yeah. but where I'm happy, you know, it's not about being mm. the best, biggest composer in the world. It's about being used for the, what he's good at yeah. in, a, in a, in a, really good way. Mm. And I thought that was a really cool yeah, answer. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: yeah. And I think the best answers usually are the ones that carry emotion. Yeah. So, it's like what we normally get a lot more is for uh, what do you want more of? Fulfillment, excitement, enjoyment. Yeah. You know, Fun. not, yeah, not, um, you know, things that you can kind of touch like money or whatever. It's actually like emotions and mm. feelings. Mm. And I think that's a great mindset to have. So, I think, again, that's more if you ever, whoever's listening, if they want to ask someone a really nice question, ask them what they want more of. Because you yeah. get to know who they are as yeah. well. Yeah. So, uh, as an example, so if you ask someone, how are you feeling? They go, yeah, good. But you can kind of see <coughs> that they're not feeling good. Mm. Asking them, okay, what do you want more of? Probably peel down a lot of different layers because it's n- they don't think you're directly like, not attacking them, but you're kind of like trying to peer in what, yeah, what's going on where what do you want more of? Actually, I want a lot more happiness. Okay. So what would happiness look like to you? Mm. Um, oh, you know, I want this and that. Okay. So if you don't have that, like what what is going on now? And then you kind of get into this whole conversation, which then peels down a lot of layers rather than, you know, cause there's been campaigns that have gone ask twice if you're okay, but some, that doesn't work for everybody. Mm. The call should be to actually go, not just ask twice, ask it in a different way that, you know that they will react to if you know that person.
0: I love this, that what you talked about earlier about what it means to be a man today compared to 50 years ago, like your grandpa on his sofa. Um, And, and, you know, the pressure people face. And there's that thing about also social media, isn't there? And Mm. how that's a, you know it's also linked to this community that it's like a false community isn't it i mean mm. no there are amazing communities online that you can access but it's that tangibility mm. of support isn't it and yeah. i think it's i think and it, it's very much related to when i talk about death as well the reason why we don't do death well is we don't have that community around us that we did yeah hundred years ago hundred years ago people died at home mm. The community supported the people that were grieving, the mm. pe- you know, the families. No. So I think there's a loss of community and it's such a it's such a big deal to have people around you that support mm. you and you're held by that community. And I don't think we are as much anymore. No. And it's and this is why work is so important, because work is a community you see those people every day, you spend lots of time with them and it becomes a replacement community in a way, 100%. doesn't it? Mm.
1: What, what happens if those environments aren't great? Like, exactly. Or they're created out of fear or... So what we've done this year has been a lot more focused around working with organisations. Mm. So we go into organisations and try and create a community there. So how you've kind of talked about, you know, your neighbourhood, we want to create that in um, in in your workplace. Mm. And I think that's so important. Once you have employees or students that are connected to you at the organisational level or at at business level, rather than just as a brand, Mm. then a lot of things change. You know, absence goes down, um, retention goes up, you know, productivity goes up. Like there's a lot of different things there. So I think that's where we're, where we've kind of headed with like the business mind.
0: And I love this idea that um, that sort of survival versus thrive I think that's so beautiful. Mm. It's like before we would survive. Yeah. Well, actually, it's more ab- about, it's more than, well, yes, we need to survive, obviously, mm. but it's what makes us thrive. Mm. You know, what makes us thrive?
1: Well, A lot of people don't know what it means to thrive. Yeah. They haven't experienced that, no. unfortunately. Um, again, there's a lot, uh, like I said earlier, it's not easy to live in this world. There's a lot of pressures. Mm. Financial pressures is probably one of the main things that a lot of people experience, especially in London. So that you, you know, I think you do need to flip into survival mode sometimes. Um, but I also think there's, you know, like when I was having the discussions with my workplace about reducing my hours and I didn't necessarily have to build a business case because my boss is so understanding of everything that we're doing. But I was like, I need my time. Mm. Like, and my time shouldn't be on the weekend because that's my rest time. I need my time in the week to do the things that I need to do. And so, and in the week means not past 5 p.m., like an, which is a normal working day. It means I need my time when I can make things happen that mm. need to happen and not neglect them, which then allows me to well, be stressed. And then I'm overthinking, you know, there's a lot of things. So I think actually like, you know, there's a lot of people now being entrepreneurs and starting
0: projects, but, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, well, it's been really lovely talking to you. There's just one thing I wanted to say, actually, which was... Uh, and it's happened to me through doing death mm. and through you doing milk for tea. I think you, you can't help but transform mm. as a person because and I say to people, you know, I'm doing what I'm telling you to do. Mm. It's really, I think that's really important. Mm. If you've got someone who you want to do a workshop with or something, I think, look at their lives. What are they doing? You know, are they doing what they're telling you to do as well? You know, because I think that's really important. If I'm saying to people, do you know what, you know, if you think about death, you can really think about your time and what you're doing with that time. Mm. It's actually, what am I doing with my time? Am I doing what I'm saying? And I think from what you're saying, it's really lovely that you've really transformed through milk for tea mm. and it is challenging it's really difficult but it's so amazing mm. like i want to be your friend oh, and come round you. and have dinner yeah <laughs> i'm thinking anytime. oh why can't i yeah. come round? <laughs> anytime that's <laughs> so been really lovely thank yeah. you thanks very much yeah Aww. i mean
1: just uh as a as a last thing like it is it's not been easy to no. transform um and i think that's you know ag- again when people are like i was never really that low but i'd never really found like my purpose and what i wanted mm. to do and kind of where I felt like I fit in this world, having um, felt failure, you know, from not becoming a footballer or not becoming a lawyer. And actually like, you know, this is a real process. And um, there's been times when it's been really rough and there's been times when there's been no money or there's been times when I couldn't assign certain time frame, but you got to be persistent. Like we wouldn't be where we are now. Obviously we've had some great, like really amazing supporters from a lot of people, but actually like, you know, we've really dedicated ourselves to it and dedicated our lives to it because we really believe in what we're doing Mm. and we've been really lucky to find that so I'm not saying that everyone needs to go and start a milk for tea or you know start a project but just find those find those things that you're really committed to because you know it's all right me saying as an example to better my well-being I'm going to cook for an hour but actually do I go and do that like Mm. do I actually go and do that or do I just say that I'm going to go and do that because things will change once you actually start doing it and doing it consistently so yeah
0: Mm, put your money where your mouth is exactly exactly (laughs) nice one to end on thank you thanks very much (laughs) jack ceased his role as creative director in milk for tea in the summer of 2020 if you'd like to keep abreast of his new ventures please visit his social media at jack dp norman